Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not right for you to go on like you do. You talk a bit too much. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, a fast rising podcast network and YouTube channel featuring podcast series, content, and interviews on all variety of subjects from football, combat sports, mental health, life stories, music, and a lot more. Ace Podcast Nation, you're home to many great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. You can get all the shows first in video format, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Please do subscribe, click that bell for notification. It's the most direct way to support us at, at the moment. And uh, if you prefer your podcast in audio form, just search Ace Podcast Nation and there's well over 400 shows on just all sorts of different subjects. Uh, the links to which are all in the description below but uh, tonight i am thrilled to be joined by a band that's exploded onto the music scene with their dynamic indie sound and relentless energy it is sam and walker from the scouse scouse band honey motel welcome lads how are you hello sir you okay yeah really good thanks mate um yeah yeah i'm good man how about you Oh, good mate. It's uh, it's been a weird, been a weird year, but it's been a weird week for me because I've been walking around with a concussion for the last week. So it's been a bit, bit of a daze. We were obviously we were going to do this last week, and I had to rearrange, which was a bit of a nightmare. So I apologise for that again. Oh, no, don't worry about it. We're we're always open to do things like this. No, I've been looking forward to it, mate. Honestly, it's, um, I had uh, the crooks on, who obviously won Foundry Music as well, and um, we had good crack with them, good laugh, and. Like I just said to you just before we started recording, not looking to have like a formal question, answer, question, answer. We'll just have a chat and uh, we'll see where the chat goes. Uh, but first and foremost, what I like to do is kind of, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with you or whatever, is just have you guys sort of tell us where you're from and, you know, like a bit about your upbringing and just a, a general intro into you as people, I suppose. Yeah, so um, we're from... We're not. We're we're from Liverpool, but we're not actually all from Liverpool. We're kind of like from the surrounding areas and things. So I'm from the Wirral. Sam is from. He's born and bred in the you know in, in Liverpool, and um, our drummer and bass player is from uh, like St. Helens and stuff. So we're all kind of up from around the northwest area. Um, kind of all had similar upbringings as well, like working class upbringings. Um, you know, and we all just kind of got into music. Um, 
from from a young age and we were all interested in you know playing music together um and just from there we just got talking and you know made a little made a little band um and yeah that's kind of how it went so interesting right so one of my favorite podcasts apart from my own obviously i've got to know, is um, self-promote it's, it's, uh, yeah it's, it's have a word <laughs> podcast i don't know if you're familiar with it uh it's a like a dead uh what's his name adam Rowe and um oh yeah the comedian yeah i'm on yeah, to him yeah. he's uh his podcast with uh dan nightingale have a word is uh, it's so funny mate honestly it's uh apart from my podcast it is the funniest <laughs> podcast around but like he uh, he was saying on one a recent episode. So you said you're from the Wirral, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Is that correct? You'll correct me if I'm wrong. I think Scouts people refer to people from the Wirral as woolies or something, isn't it? Yeah, we're uh, either wools or woolly backs. So um, what's that about then? I don't actually know where it, where it so, stems from. So officially, I only see myself as the only <laughs> Scouser in the band. Okay. Ben always laughs about this, but. So he's from nesting over the water, so the Wirral. So, like, for Scousers, that is not a Scouser <laughs> at all. That is not close. The drummer's probably the closest. He's from Widness. But even that's, like, a borderline area. Um, and then Jack the bassist, the St. Helens, doesn't sound nothing like a Scouser, no, even though it's only a few miles up the, up the East Lanks. Um, but I'm from Croxteth. But, yeah, anyone who's not on an L postcode... Is yeah. unfortunately not a scouser. <laughs> so, are you red or blue, and Sam? Yeah, I'm a red. I'm a red. I'm a red man. So, this is what confused me. See, when we were just talking before the show, obviously the stuff which I've got and it's the stuff on your YouTube page, like which describes you, describes you as a scouse band. And then Walker went, "Oh yeah, I'm a Man United fan." I was like, <laughs> if "We are a scouse band." We, 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 yeah, we, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're you know we've gigged here our whole lives, but yeah, Walker. You can explain why he's a Man United fan, but yeah, I'll never know. Um, so it just comes from me, mom, from my family. You can you could say the same because your family, your a lot of your family are Blues, aren't they? Yeah. Um, or my dad's side is all from Manchester. Um, you know, for generations upon generations. And when my dad met my mum, they moved to the Wirral. Um, and still are all of our, my mum's a Liverpool fan as well so uh it makes for hostile nights in the in the household when uh it's a United v Liverpool game but yeah because I, I live in Liverpool now as well um so it's really hard to um kind of just yeah, yeah. since yeah. since 2012 2013 it's been hard and you know a lot of my mates are, are Reds as well so they'll be well they used to be like oh do you want to go to the pub and watch the game and I'm kind of like not really no and, <laughs> um but yeah, it's t- it, especially when like Liverpool won like the Champions League and the Premier League, it was just seeing Brutal. just all the town absolutely rimmed with Scousers celebrating. I was like, get. I actually went to Manchester when Liverpool won the Premier League, um, just to get away from the town because I was like, yeah. I just don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. It's quite brutal. Like, and the thing is as well, like United's um, sort of going downhill a little bit since Fergie left. Has kind of coincided with Liverpool getting their act together a little bit. With it has, yeah. Well, that like, was Fergie's goal, wasn't it? He wanted to knock the Scousers off the perch. Yeah. They, but, um, do you, right, very quickly, we've got to talk about a football scene as we're on it. Like, <laughs> do you think um, Solskjaer's the right man to take United forward? Well, I think if you look at the, if you look at the kind of rise that he's been on, uh, I think United posted it on their Instagram. 
you know, three years ago, he came, I can't remember the exact stats, but, you know, he came fifth and he got to the quarterfinals. Then last year he came third and he got to the semifinals. And then this year was second and we're in the final of the Europa League, uh, you know, um, qualifying for the Champions League. So I think if you if you just look at the facts, um, then I would say, yeah, he is. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, if we talk on, about a bit more than stats... I gotta say, um, when he was the Cardiff City manager, he was shockingly bad. Like, um, I know it's like different because you got a different standard of player straight away. Yeah, got more money in that. But like, just tactically, he looked desperately out of his depth in the I, championship. I think, like compared to the Norwegian. Yeah, I, and he did in he did in the first season. He was at United. You could tell that um, he he didn't really have a. You know, when like Jose Mourinho was in. You could tell his whole ethos with football was about defending. We defend first and then we counter-attack. And when Oli came in, I remember, I, was it Cardiff that we played? Yeah, I think or, it was. One of the first game and we yeah, and we won 5-0 well, and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy is going to take us to, to glory again. Uh, and then a couple of weeks, like two or three weeks later, we lost like four or five games in a row. We were like... What is like? What is this man? What is this man's style of play? You, but I think I think over the t- over the time, um, you can you can see a, a style of play coming. It's all about the possession game. I feel like passing the ball around and just getting it to Bruno, who's going to find that little gap and just play it through to Marcus or something. Um, mm. You know, I got to say, I think if they back him properly in the summer, I don't think United. I think they're only like maybe two or three like proper world class players away. Yeah. But I also think a big part of that will depend on if they keep like Pogba. So because I actually think Solskjaer's probably done managed him the best out of mm. all the other managers who've managed him since he came yeah. back to United. Like it's an interesting conundrum because you can get a shitload of money for him probably still. I don't know. Would you keep him? I would. He he needs he needs people around him though who are gonna bring the best out of him. Like when Bruno came, when Bruno and Pogba started playing, Pogba was nowhere to be seen before Bruno came. Now that Bruno's come, Pogba started, you know, upping his game and mm. he's shown that ninety million pound price tag that we bought him for. Uh, I think, especially in, I think, yeah, especially in some games, he's just been like, as soon as he's come on, there's been a complete change. Um, but I think just going back to what you said. Um, he said, "Get if we got two or three more players in, we'd be, you know, challenging for the title." I think we've been like that f- since Fergie has left. You know, if you look at the team that Fergie had, you know, he had like Tom Cleverley, Fabio, yeah, you know, Darren all Gibson, the mate, you Darren Gibson, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? like, yeah. But you know, like when jo- like Jose Mourinho was in and we came second, you could you could have said the same. Then we were two or three world class players away from winning the title, or. I think Arsenal and Tottenham are that far. I mean, Arsenal and Tottenham this year have had an awful season, mm. but I still think they, if I don't know whether Arteta's right at Arsenal, but I don't think they're far away. Like, people are writing, well, Arsenal's, you know, fell down the table and they're not a big club anymore. I don't think they're that many players away. Maybe a, a player exited in United, or maybe two more, maybe five players. But that's only a couple of windows for a rich club. You know what I mean? That's Yeah, the problem is to get say three world class players so like in United's case I'd say they need like say Harry Kane for instance Harry Kane Sancho and then a defender I don't know uh, Varane, Varane or something from Madrid that's going to cost you nearly 200 million for three players 
And like I just don't see the Glazers spending that. And really, when you look at the kind of top six or the traditional top four, say, or top five, none of them can spend that money apart from Man City. Even Chelsea, I don't think, these days would just smash out 200 million on three players, which makes it very difficult. And I think like what Liverpool have done is quite clever. They've brought in kind of young players who were like doing very well at lower clubs and then but they're not like young in the like some of the players which United brought in this year they're young and they're on the brink they're already playing Premier League football like Robertson from Hull and stuff and then they've got them at their peak or going into their peak where they can really get the best out of them and then you've got a decent manager like Klopp my my one worry if I was a Liverpool fan would be if Klopp kind of goes and yeah, I that think would be an issue for me. I think because I that, think he's a massive part of everything about it. Like he's made Jordan Henderson look like a footballer. Yeah, <laughs> incredible to me. Like, but he's done it, so you can't knock him. No, I think um, that's interesting. I think that's what I've never like the last few years with United. They've put that much money since Fergie left into new players. It is mind baffling. It's mind boggling how they haven't won mm-hmm. another Prem like that's how much money they've spent, but. Surely at some point you say to yourself, do we just stop buying these players? Like if you went for Varane now in his yeah. late 20s, these ready-made players, because obviously they come. Like remember Fal- Falcao, he come. Team Maria. Team Maria, they come, they're, they're ready-made, but they never fit in. And I think Liverpool's way of doing it has been looking for, like as you say, an Andy Robbo who, you know, was a good player, but as you say, no one would have really foreseen what was going to, you know, come. Yeah. But I think you're right, I think, if Klopp goes, it'd be a big void to fill. You know what I mean? He's such a big character. Yeah, I see people saying Gerard to take over. Like I think, I think he's it's way too early, and I think there'd be yeah. so, much pre- so much pressure on him. I know he's done well at Rangers, and he has done really well at Rangers. And I'm not Gerard's biggest fan by any means, but like, I think you see what Rangers were a long way behind Celtic before Gerard came in. Yeah. And he hasn't spent a massive amount of money to, to, to win the league. So you've got to give him credit for it. I think Gerard will probably be hesitant now that he's seen Frank Lampard go to Chelsea too early. Yeah. And that's not I think maybe wind. Gerard might be a bit like, mm, I don't want to do, make that same mistake. But obviously, Chelsea also, do you reckon club. he would manage another club in the Premier League? I don't see. So Gerard, no. Yeah, and that's the problem then because he can't get that experience, experience yeah. at the top level unless he goes abroad maybe, which I suppose is yeah, an that- option. Yeah, man, totally. You said about United, Mike. The one thing, like traditionally, United have never, they've never bought like Mm. ready-made, like up until the last few years. Like they haven't really traditionally gone for like um, players who were already like 26, 27. Yeah. They'd always signed like Ronaldo or when they tried to sign Ronaldinho, he was like 21 Mm. and stuff. They always have tried to go with players who were, you know, exceptional but have got like a sell-on kind of thing with them later down the line. Yeah, well, I was going to say that just when Sam was talking about buying like Andy Robertson and transforming him into a into a really good player, United's ethos for years upon years, you know, ever since you know my dad was a kid, the the ethos has been bringing players through the youth team, and it's I think I read a fact like in the past, you know, like I can't remember how many years, but in the past however many amount of years there's always been at least one academy player either in the team or on the bench yeah um and i think that's what 
a lot of United's foundations are built upon um, using the youth. You know, the greatest year of Man United when we won the treble, it was all because of the class of the ninety class of ninety two. Um, so I think you've, you you do have to be Rashford, Greenwood, McTominay. You came through the youth. Um, but I think Mourinho was the first manager, wasn't he? And you think he's the only manager in in something like forty years to pick a side with no academy players in. And mm-hmm. my my uh, the point I always used to make on the football show was like, if you, it's not, got no problem with you bringing in Jose Mourinho as your manager because you know what you're going to get. Three years, the third year he's going to cause mayhem, but he will win you trophies. Yeah, but. You also know you're going to have to spend between 150 million and 200 million every summer. Yeah. And the second you don't give him money to spend, then you may as well sack him because it's pointless. They, everyone knew that ahead of time, and I feel like United backed him the first window, like the first summer, and then after that they kind of gradually were giving him less and less, but still expecting him to do what Jose Mourinho yeah. does. And yeah. I think that's difficult. And also, I also do think he hasn't he hasn't changed with football. Like football's changed in the last five years, and he yeah. hasn't. Which he's, refused, he's been yeah, he has been he's been stubborn. And you've seen how good the way that Liverpool and the way that City play press pressing the ball, getting winning the ball up high, making sure the opposition has like a, as little amounts of the, of the ball as possible. And you could see that Mourinho just refused to change with the with the seasons. Yeah, same with them. Like, play, like even at Tottenham, he was playing proper. What he basically what he did at Man United, he was trying to get them to be proper solid at the back and under Pochettino, they were proper. And it's like you you would didn't want to go and play Tottenham under Poch. Was it like they were going to score a lot of goals and that sort of still getting a lot of goals, but wasn't nowhere near as you know a threat under under Mourinho as they were under Pochettino. They were a lot more solid at the back. Or well, maybe they weren't. The defenders weren't good enough, but he tried to make them a lot more solid than yeah. what he tried to do at United, basically. And I think the fans just get bored of it because they do see Liverpool and City and even lower, you know, lower sides like Leeds, you know, proper going for the going for the throating games. And I don't think fans want to go to a game, do they, and just watch the team sit, sit off. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, what's the fucking point? But yeah. They, um, interestingly, I've seen today that Pochettino's been linked with going back to Spurs because... He obviously really? he's getting a load of criticism because he didn't because Lille won the French league. Didn't yeah, he? and like, there's no way with that squad, you know, PSG should be yeah. winning winning that league by like twenty points. Really, it's, it's a it's a one horse race. That a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the leagues that aren't the English leagues are very similar to that. Yeah, you know, Spain Spain it's a two horse race, Madrid and Barcelona. But at, yeah, Atletico won this year. France is a is a is a one horse race the whole time, but I saw I saw a funny tweet before. It said, um, "I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up now." It said, "You can take the man out of Tottenham, but you can't take the Tottenham out of the man." <laughs> when about Pochettino, um, that made me laugh. Um, yeah, be interesting. Harry Kane mate will go for like 150 mil. I reckon nearly. easy. Yeah, I think. Well, not only that, the fact he's English as well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I seen it so just very lastly on United because I don't want to bore Sam too much. <laughs> I saw a thing today which said um, they've been quoted ninety million for Declan Rice, and then then there's this other lad I've forgotten his name now. He's some French lad who plays the same position, same age, but his stats are like almost double in terms of quality. 
as what Dak and Rice's are, and teams are being caught with like thirty million for him. Yeah, and it's like that's down to your scouting, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How old's Declan Rice? You know? I don't. know. I think he's like mid, early to mid twenties. Yeah, I was thinking about twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, I think he's something around there. I couldn't tell you. I, I suppose. I suppose that's the thing. Just them being English. Um, he's Irish anyway, isn't he? Is it? Is he? Did he have a choice? Didn't he? Yeah, he played for Ireland at, like all the way up to twenty ones. Got in the Irish squad, pulled out with an injury, and then the next time round they kind of named him, and he said, "No, I'm going to go play for England." Yeah, well, that was happening with Wambasaka, wasn't it? Because he, you know, he's had an absolutely cracking seasons at United or season, and he still wasn't in in the race to be the England right back. Uh, and so he said, if you don't choose me, then I'm going to, I think it was, was it the Dominican Republic or something yeah, like that? Right, he yeah. said he'd go and play for, um, you know, fair dues to him. He's, you know, if you're, is it Trent as well, he plays right back. Sorry. Yeah, so if it was them too, uh, I think. Yeah, I think Juan Bissaka had the better defensive stats, but Alexander, Trent Alexander had the better attacking, attacking stats. I think sense more flexible like Juan Bissaka is very much a right back and that's all you're going to play him I think Trent could go wing back and I think Gareth, Gareth Southgate himself seen him talking earlier he even said he'd be happy playing him in the centre yeah, I don't especially, think he wouldn't do that Juan Bissaka the back as well in some games yeah so Trent, Trent might end up being a wing back or yeah I, I did hear Gareth say today would be happy playing, playing him in the middle so maybe that's why I do think Wambasaka is good, but as you say, he's stuck to that position. Yeah. So if there's a queue for that position, yeah. maybe he's just thinking, I want players that can go anywhere or in a few positions. Southgate likes Trippier as well, doesn't he? So oh, I yeah. Well, he picks him for everything, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, um, it's one of the England got loads of good fullbacks, man. They got, like, they're coming out of their ears. Right. <laughs> in terms of um, music, how did uh, Honey Motel come about? Like, how did uh, you get together and the name and just the so, uh, the initial thing? Yeah, online. we. Um, I met Sam first. God, when was it? 2017? 2016. Um, and I was doing music A-level. And I just kind of wanted to take music away from being just educational and taking it to something that... Because I really enjoyed it when I was doing it at A-level. Um, so I was like, I want to do it outside of school as well. So I just... I, we found we both found a website called joinmyband.co.uk and we both shoved adverts on in there. And um, we met up one Saturday afternoon in Liverpool and um, practised... We, we were just doing covers when me and Sam started and we had a different bass player, a different drummer... And we were just doing covers and writing, you know, horrible songs that will hopefully never be heard by anyone. Um, and yeah, we just carried on. Me and Sam went through a couple of different bass players, um, a couple of different drummers as well. No, just it was just the one drummer, wasn't it? Two drummers. Two drummers. Yeah. Um, and then we met Pab and Jack, and we were we were another band. Um, we were called Lola um, for a while from about. 2018 19 that was like half a year yeah and you know we we just i think we just kind of saw it as a hobby then we just kind of enjoyed doing it on a saturday going to a gig and you know practicing once every blue moon um and then we just started taking it more seriously as time went on 
And so, you know, we just got in contact with management companies, which is how we met Ben. And um, we just, uh, when it came to, we came to rebranding the whole band. Uh, so it used to be very much like skinny jeans, leather jackets, um, uh, you know, lots of distortion and stuff. Um, but once we've done this whole rebrand and we, we spent months brainstorming for names, didn't we? Um, the amount of time we spent on like band name generators and um, writing names. We went to Manchester once to uh, meet up with someone and talk about this whole uh, rebrand. And we just sat in a pub for like three hours just shouting names at each other and still then on the way back home me and Sam were just going what about this and we just couldn't think of one and we just stumbled uh, I think we stumbled upon um, Money Hotel yeah uh, and then I think I said Money Hotel and then Paul our drummer just switched it around to Honey Motel and we just it was just the best of a bad bunch really wasn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were just kind of like we don't love it but it'll do uh, and so we just stuck with that them, no, like, with that type of band, like we're never happy. No, like no. we'll fucking make something and it'll be like, yeah, it's all right. And then a couple of days later, someone's going, ah, it's a bit shit. That. And then you're like, fucking hell. Or you're thinking of a piece of artwork or a bit of content or something. One day everyone's happy with it, like, yeah, sound. And then fucking you're dreading WhatsApp because someone's just going to message you and go, I'm not feeling that, you know, shit, it's a bit shit. Yeah. And you're just I... like, fucking do we agree on anything? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard though, like. When I um, was trying to think of a name for the channel, like I spent weeks trying to come up with stuff, come up with all this different stuff, and then I eventually decided, oh, like Ace is the initials of my kids, and we tend oh, to nice. refer to them as that. So I was like, all right, Ace Podcast, Ace Podcast Network, that sounds all right, don't it? And then I went to like set it all up, and straight away it was like someone else has got that name. I was like, lad, that happened. Well, our first name. Well, like a couple of years ago, um, so before we were ad management and that, it was just, it was Lola. And when we named it, it was just L-O-L-A in capital letters. Well, I didn't think about it at to all. To be honest, when we thought of that name, we thought that name was boss, didn't we? Yeah, we thought it was okay, sick. Okay. Like, just the girl's name, but like, the amount of fucking artists on Spotify called Lola. Yeah, that's the problem. With more tunes than us and more that's listeners. Cool. We're back when we first started and no one could find us. Everyone would be like, can't find your tunes, can't find your page. And I was just that was the main that wasn't one of the main reasons we were like we can't stay as this name because no bastard can find us. Well that's the problem, and especially on Spotify, like if you're doing music as well, like if people can't find you, that's a massive issue. And I I like Lola as well. Lola was actually gonna be the I got three boys and the I think it was the oldest one or maybe the middle one was gonna be called Lola if he was a girl. So there you go. Ah, nice. I know what you mean though about like content and stuff, like Sometimes I've done like interviews or shows with some like people, and I thought this is gonna bang this. This is this is the one which is gonna kind of take me from doing all right to doing yeah. proper. Like, and it'll go out, and I'll just be like, oh, it's got like five hundred views or whatever, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I'll I've done something with someone who I think you know it's gonna be really interesting. Like a couple of the footballers we've had on, they've been proper interesting shows, like and top lads. But they're not necessarily the most famous footballers we've had on the yeah. show. It's weird, like some stuff just seems to blow, yeah. Yeah, just some correlate and bangs, and some just doesn't like some people. I don't know. Yeah, I think... no, there don't seem to be like a reason to it either. Yeah, but it's frustrating as fuck. I can tell you that yeah, man. Well, I think I, I definitely feel that. Like we've done tunes where I really liked them, 
and we've either released it or other people don't like it or we've put it out and it hasn't got that good of a reaction mm. and then we've put a different single out which I've been in the back of my head I hate this song by the way like it's shit and loads of people are sharing it on release day and going like oh my god and we'll get loads of streams and you're just like the fuck you know what I mean like yeah, it's, it's hard then isn't it though because you're, yeah. gonna, you're trying to like I suppose with music and that you, and even with like video content or podcasts or yeah, whatever man. like you've got to you're trying to make stuff with people which is going to resonate with people obviously because you need people to watch or to listen or to do otherwise it's you know you're not going to progress like yeah but equally you try you're always going to make stuff which you like and i think it's hard if you make stuff which you like and it doesn't resonate with people it can be a bit demoralizing but equally like i said to you before we started recording your um song keep it to yourself absolute banger i love that i've been listening i hate, to I, hate it. <laughs> I don't like it lads that, that's just that's the song I don't like, but yeah, as you say, I think it's one of them. You've you've just gotta make what you like in the hope yeah. that some things people will like as well, and yeah. some things people won't like. But you can only, like as you say, you're, you're a creator. You can only make what you like, and some things will hit, some things won't. It's just one of them, isn't it? Yeah, just gotta keep. keep I was gonna, I was gonna around. say, um, there's a band that we know. I'm not gonna say the name because, um, but they had a massive record deal. I think when they signed the record deal, it was one of the biggest offers to an indie artist. Mm. And, um, they were forced to make music that they just didn't like. Uh, they were forced to make like poppy music. And they just kind of said, you know what, we're not, we're not, you know, puppets, you know, they wanted to make their own music. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they left the label and they've still been smashing it. Um, still, you know, it's still, it's different music to what their label wanted, but, like it's still from my point of view. Well, I know the band you're talking about. I think they they developed the sound and it got them signed and it got them like um you know, a record deal and loads of attention. And I think the label, we know the drummer in this band, mm. um the label was like, you know, we want you to carry on with that type of music mm. for the next album. And obviously the natural progression event, even like your podcast, you, you make the first 20 shows and then you change bits and you progress it and yeah, you, you, evolve, you get a different you? feel and they wanted to evolve and cause that first album had sort of hit the label, obviously just see it as dollar signs or pound yeah. signs, whatever you're from. And they just wanted to carry on with that style and good on them like they left yeah, and obviously so. took a hit with money and just, you know, obviously not in and nowhere near as much, but... It's hard. It's, it's, it is hard, though, isn't it? Because, like, I won't say, like, who, but, like, there's been a couple, a bit of interest in some of the series which I do for either a radio or whatever, and straight away they're like, oh, we want to change this and we want to change that. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You want to change stuff and you want to have a say in what the content is. That's fine. Yeah. But then you've got to pay me. Yeah, for me to relent, for, for me to stop doing what I'm doing, and I kind of was at the point. I just kind of said, "Look, I like, uh, I like what I'm doing. It's growing. People like it. So, sh- and you, you, the fact that you're showing, you know, you're speaking to me. Yeah, you have seen something. So, why do you want to change it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, the reason, the reason why we do this, the reason why we're in a band is because, first and foremost, we all love to do it. You know, we're all really good mates and we 
we make the music that we want to make. I think if we started making music and then, I don't know, if we ever got signs and a label, we're like, no, you can't make this music. You've got to make, and we, you know, we don't enjoy making that type of music. Then we'd be like, well, the whole reason why we are in this band is because we enjoy it. If we're not enjoying it, then what's the point in doing it? Um, yeah. I think you were you were hitting the spot when you were saying that. Then you know, you do the do it the way that you do because you enjoy it that way. If people come in and start asking for change and you stop you stop enjoying what you're doing, it's just like, you know, why are we doing this anymore? Yeah. Like, for me, like I started doing the podcast and YouTube channel because I had a car accident. My physical health meant I couldn't like physically do work. I I had to finish like retire basically through ill health, but it was killing my mental health like because I was having to watch my missus do stuff with the kids and yeah. do stuff for me. So I was like, I got I've got to do something. I got to do, and I just come up with I'm going to just do this. I'm going to speak to people. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a few friends from you know football and mixed martial arts and boxing and stuff. I'll kind of speak to all the people that I know. And then, like, friends of friends. And then I'll just see what happens. And then it just kind of took on a bit of a life of its own. But, like, if someone... Like, our, the football show, for instance, is our most popular show. If someone, whoever, wanted to kind of take that and put it on their network or their radio or whatever, we've always said, that's fine. But if you want to change it, then you've got to... You've got to like, basically what I'm saying is, I have got a price. You yeah, <laughs> pay me enough money. Yeah, you can do what you want. Yeah, but it's not gonna well, like it's not gonna be the same, is it? And I know that, mm. so that's why you got to pay. Basically, <laughs> like if you're gonna, it, it's a weird thing though. But then I also think, like what you said, like if you start changing stuff because they're asking you to change stuff, then if you're not enjoying it, it becomes a whole different thing. Then, then yeah, like if I'm not enjoying doing podcasts or shows or whatever, then that's a different dynamic completely. And one of the reasons that I can sit here and have a conversation with you, like I've never spoken to you guys. Yeah. But I yeah. can sit here and I can talk to you and I feel like I've spoken to you many times. Like, Yeah. But like, if I didn't enjoy it and I was being forced, like by someone out from the outside saying, right, this is your guest. This is what you're going to talk about. This is what you're going to ask them. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy that, so it's going to feel different, and it's going to be different. And with music, I would feel like, like you guys will tell me more, but like, surely that would mean the the whole dynamic changes, doesn't it? And the feel of doing it, maybe even the feel of the music. If your heart's not in it, it's not going to be the same as creating something that you deeply believe in and you care about. Well, I think if you if you spend months upon months writing a song, practicing it with the lads, changing bits, especially now that we've kind of got a bit better at writing songs, we've definitely started enjoying the process a bit more. And I think the more you spend with the song, you you almost start like a relationship with it and you start, you know, just thinking of little things that you can do in little bits. And I I feel like if you you lost that that, um, care for it, and you lost that love for it, you wouldn't have the same feeling when you're when you're in the studio writing, recording. I was gonna say, I think it's just like situational in it because you've got to say, for example, if someone come along for us or someone wanted to put your podcast on a network, it's one of them. It's like 
you've got to give you've got to you know give some leeway if you want it to progress but at the same time i think a lot of people get stuck especially bands or artists and that because you know when a label comes for you or someone offers you something it's like you know it's shining in front of you you just want to grab it and then it's not until they get a year down the line a year and a half down the line and i think a lot a lot of people not all people some labels are great in that and you know look after you but I'm um, saying with some networks, I would imagine, but uh, you know, a lot of them are. For example, you write one song that does really well, or you release an album that does really well. They just see you diverting from that recipe. You know, is going to lose them dough basically. Or yeah. for example, if you had a show that was doing really well and you wanted to maybe start a new show or go a different direction, they just see it as you're just, yeah, you're just going to yeah, burn the money. Like, and I think there there is another side to it, like if you're a, a band or whatever, like if you do have a record label say, and they say, oh, look, we think that if you go this way, it'll be better for you. Like it's not always necessarily bad, is it? Like no. they could, if they've got more experience in the industry, yeah, or totally, man. whatever it may be, like, you know, there might be, it might be good advice. It might be good change, but it's like, I suppose the thing I was getting at is like, if someone comes in and like wants to change everything. Yeah. Or tell oh. you what you've got to do. I suppose it's, that's when it becomes problematic. No, I have heard stories as well of like labels getting involved or managers. You know, that, that happened to George Michael, didn't it? With Sony, Did was it? it George Michael? I think it was George Michael or Elton John. Actually, I can't remember who it was, but there was a, a massive artist, and Sony were like, "You have to write this type of music," and he just refused to write any music just because that's that wasn't what he wanted to do. Yeah, I think when any. Yeah, as he was saying, when any sort of like head honcho gets involved, someone who's like controlling or is the controller of a band or whatever it is. Like our drummer before he was in our band was in a was in a different band. Um I forgot the name of him now. Enderline. Enderline or something, and he said, um basically they got a manager and after a few months the manager tried to kick him out. You know, mm-hmm. like like sort of can got together with the lads and was like, you know, we need a new drummer. And it was because Pab didn't suit that. His style of play didn't suit how they were, the direction of music they were going. And then Pab found out because the lads were honest with him and said, listen, he wants to get idiot. And he just left on his own will and said, fine, Mark Fuse. So he left and it obviously ran into us and we're grateful that happened. Like, yeah, him, yeah. he's, a, he's a great drummer. But yeah, I think you've just got to, if anyone does get involved in your creative process or in your project, whether it's a business, something like a band, whatever, got to be compromised. There, you've got to be compromised, and I think you've just got to trust the person. If you genuinely think they're up to no good, then obviously, yeah, you got to fuck them off. That's then. it. You've just got to judge who they are, and if you think they're wholesome yeah. people, man, then they're obviously they're out to help you, and in the long run, help themselves. But that's fine because they're helping you as well. If they're just out yeah, to help yeah. themselves, then you also got to prejudge that. If you make a bad decision, you end up in the shit. Yeah, 100%. You just learn from your mistakes, didn't you, I suppose. Um, and that's the, I, I guess that's one problem with the music industry over the years is, you know, there's plenty of good eggs, you know, like your, your Alan McGee's and your, and your Rick Witters and people like this who are not only exceptionally talented and stuff, but they've, you know, obviously been involved in massive projects over the years. But they also are trying to bring attention to new bands and help new bands uh you know, up and coming even today. And I think that for for every one of them, there's also someone who's trying to exploit bands and 
uh, you know, teenagers and people yeah. who've got a good voice. And this we work, we work with um, um, this feeling, and they literally share every bit of content of the bands they work with, or try to. Obviously, the socials yeah. are really chocker, and we've worked at other promotion companies who won't share you or won't give you any help to promote a gig you're doing for them. It's weird. But they won't do it because maybe you're not a big band and they don't want to put you on their page because it's seen as like, oh, we only have big artists on our our band. But this feeling, man, they share everything. Mm. And whether you are a a band that's new with two fans, they'll put you out there and tell people, listen Mm. to you. All up to like bigger bands who are doing, you know, or bigger artists who are doing dead well. So, yeah, it just depends on who you work with. Some people are just out for their own reputation and their own pockets really and i think others are out for that obviously because you got to earn a living but also have integrity and yeah. you know 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 what it's about i had a weird thing um recently uh an online radio station contacted me i've had a couple contact with me over the last year um but this particular online radio station contacted me and said oh we really like your podcasts it was just after i'd put the one out with them um, with rick witter from sheds heaven and he um, oh, he said he said uh, oh you know uh, I really like your podcast. Would you be interested in putting them on our radio station? Be a good way to broaden your, you know, your audience and that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was like, and, I, and I've always said, you know, I'll listen to anyone. So I said, oh, what have you got in mind? And then he was like, all oh, right. So what we do is we we pick, you know, the shows we want or whatever, or you'd send us shows, and then you pay <laughs> X amount to have a slot on the radio. Yeah. And I was like, hang on. That's that's not going to benefit me, is it? That's no. and then I looked, <laughs> and when I investigate more, I think they had like eight thousand Facebook followers or something, and I got like ten and a half thousand. I was like, so where's the broader audience coming from? Yeah. And it was just like, and look, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying like that I've got like this big audience and stuff. Where I'm just a in like a I fund myself, I do everything myself, I edit it myself, and I got some help from a few co-hosts and mates and that but like it was just the way he came about it he the first message was like oh yeah we really like what you're doing mm. and then the second message was like and you have to pay yeah and it wasn't cheap and i was just like oh, it's the same in the music industry as well the amount of messages we get on instagram oh mate instagram is insane mad, is yeah just Come saying oh get a Get a hundred, get a hundred listens on your Spotify chat for three ninety nine. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, and like obviously, there are people out there who you you do have to pay because yeah, of course. It, that's how they make their living. Um, like our publicist Geo, she is you know the absolute cream of the crop. She is the most the hardest working um person I've one of the most hardest working people I've ever met, and you know obviously we're more than happy to pay her because firstly we know that this is how she makes a living mm. and without you know our help um then it's going to be a lot more difficult for her to, yeah. for, to do that but secondly she's amazing at what she does she grows organic real like fans uh so instead of you know having five thousand listens on a track which are just all robots, she'll grow, you know, five, maybe a bit less, 500 organic fans that actually want to come and see your shows, on which we'd like much prefer rather than just, you know, a fake fronted band with loads of fake listens. Um, and, you know, we trust Geo and she trusts us and, you know, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a 
great collaboration and yeah that's that's what we you yeah, know you, yeah. you need that though don't you like I've, every time we put a post up on instagram we get like a load of comments or oh, promote with us promote with us promote yeah. with us <laughs> and it's like wouldn't be so bad but then like you'll have a look at their page or whatever and it's like you say or you know pay whatever for this many downloads or views yeah. and, that. and it's like to me that's so pointless because all right from the outside looking in it might look great because you've got fifteen thousand downloads or spot uh, or views or whatever it may be but unless you keep paying for every time you put yeah. out a, a, show, a song or a video, is do you know what I mean? Those people they're not going to come back. Just going to say, being paid to watch it or listen to it. I've noticed some bands who've released a tune, and in the release week, they get, you know, they've got like five thousand monthly listeners, mm. and the the tune shoots up and listens, and then you go where people are listening, and they're listening in like the most. So if you go on our places like yeah, if you go on our monthly listeners like Liverpool, London, Birmingham, Cardiff, like all you know you cities, still a few obscure, ones, still a few obscure <laughs> but like all mainly like Liverpool is where we get our most, and then it gradually like you know grows out from there or you know dissipates from there to a bit less in London. But it's like you know you can see it the genuine. Some people have got like a thousand listens in in India. like <laughs> India, and then a hundred yeah. in Chicago, and, stuff and like then. That. Yeah, and like, and then two weeks after the track comes out, the band's back to ninety-eight monthly listeners, yeah, and it's like, what? You know what I mean? Obviously, they've just paid a bot or someone to put it's them just, on a playlist, get a load of fake listeners. It doesn't benefit listens. you, does it? Like long term, no. it doesn't achieve anything because when they announce a gig or whatever, like then those people are not gonna, you know, because if they're even real people, they're not gonna watch. No. They're only going to come back and view the music or listen to the music rather if they do, you know, they pay again. So, like, it doesn't it doesn't help you grow. Yes, just for the bands it might be better. Evil, it? Yeah. Just, just for the bands to feel good about themselves on yeah. the least week. To put it on their Instagram. Yeah, and just be like, oh, thanks for me. You see it, like, oh, 5,000 streams in a day. And then two weeks later, there's a few bands, I'll mention names, and like they're on like fucking 47 monthly listeners. And you're just like, you just fucking paid some bastard. You know what I mean? So it's weird, mate. I've never understood it. I didn't even know you could do it until probably about a year ago. Someone told me about it. And then this just this last probably six months, every time we put up a like an Instagram post saying, you know, new show, watch you, listen to you, it's just boom, DMs and yeah comments especially if you put a hashtag on Instagram. Yeah, like, I had to stop putting hashtag podcast. And when I, uh, the worst one was when I did the shed set with Rick Witter, I put hashtag music. Oh my uh, God. It was like the help. worst thing I could have done. Some people genuinely are looking at these hashtags, but then also with that is a load of bots and a load of spammers who are just looking at them hashtags and just yeah. going, hey, I'm selling blah, blah, fucking buy it. But Senna, send me the dough now. And you're like, fuck <laughs> sake. What, um, what music are you guys into personally? Um... I mean, myself, pretty much. And this sounds like a, a an answer of someone who doesn't like music. But when I say Everton, like I can go from listening to Sam Cooke and Otis Redden and BB King and John Luca. Um, been listening to a bit of One Direction lately. What, um, you send into the chat that Scouse band. I can't remember. Oh, the real thing. You onto the real thing from the seventies? Yeah, I've 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 heard of them. 
Yeah, not massively um, familiar. Like me, I, everything the sweetest song that I can. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're from um, they're from Toxic in Liverpool, but lads. Oh, everything from soul to jazz to yeah, to blues. Bit of northern to... soul, mate. I like. Um, yeah. I tell you what, I like from um, from Liverpool is the Coral, mate. I really, really like the Coral. I always have. They're all really, aren't they? Are they? So the Coral are from New Brighton. I have no idea. Yeah, I know they're from sure around here. Sure, they. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was watching them on Jules Holland the other day with me mum, and she <laughs> she didn't believe it. I went there, they scouts, you know, and she went, go away, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, she'd never heard it. What's their main tune? Dream in a view. Yeah, she'd never heard it. Jesus. She went, hey, it's one to dance to. I don't know when you never heard this. She's like, no, I just went, oh, bloody hell. Well, there's one, there's ones are from, from what I think one of their band members is actually from Neston. Oh right, fair uh, play. and you know, obviously they did Valerie, didn't they? And I found out the other day on Jules Holland that the Zootons bassist plays in Noel Gallagher's band. Really? Oh, is it? Yeah, it was on. It was on Jules Holland when no, when Oasis split up, Zootons had split up around a similar time mm. or a few years earlier, and Noel said he where to got around like the the scene, and you know he was starting a band called the High Flying Birds, and he hadn't you know picked any members yet. And Noel said the Zootons bassist. He said he answered the phone. It was some scout. He just went, hey, hello. <laughs> and he just went, hey, apparently you're forming a band, aren't you? And apparently Noel just went like, yeah. And he said, can I play bass for you? And obviously <laughs> Noel knew who he was. He had his number saved. Yeah, yeah. And Noel said, I just went, uh, okay. He said, and since then, they're the Zootons bassist. I don't know his name, but he's been playing bass for Noel Gallagher for 10 odd years now. Imagine being able just to bell up Noel Gallagher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> asking him to be Can in I the play for So, um, do you like Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds? Uh, I haven't really listened to him personally. Um, I think I listened to one of their tracks and it was like a, it was a bit of like a dance track, I remember. Um, I, but yeah, I've never really listened to him. I'm kind of the opposite to Sam. I kind of stay in the lane of indie music. Mm. Um, I started out listening to the Arctic Monkeys when I was 14, 15, and just listened to very similar bands since then. Um, and, you know, I still kind of do the same. I have kind of ventured out a little bit. I do listen to different things now and again. I'm very into musicals as well. I've got a drama degree, so um, I listen to a lot of musicals as well. Which is fun. Yeah, Sam doesn't. <laughs> Sam can't stand. You can't stand. You like one musical, don't you? Blues Brothers. I like Lion King. <laughs> Lion King, the musical. Hamilton and that, is it? Yeah, well, I, I did my dissertation on Hamilton. Um, okay. And that's like, I've seen it as well. And it's just my favourite thing ever. So, but I won't go down that rabbit hole because I yeah. won't talk, talk your head off on that. Well, the thing is, I am, um, like, when I was a teenager, which is obviously is like a, has a massive impact on like what you're into as you grow up like i it was like bang into the brick pop area like i grew up in the 90s like a, i was a teenager in the 90s should i say so like shed seven and oasis and the roses and stuff was yeah into and my missus has a go at me now like because i'm 40 in november and i still dress like i'm like in my mid-20s <laughs> with adidas trainers and baggy jeans and that but it's i don't i can't can't get out of it but it uh, must have been a bit of a kick for you then interviewing who did you interview from shed seven uh, Rick Witter, lead singer. Ah, right. Awesome, yeah, must have been... I've done it twice now. Ah, sick. Last year, we did it on the phone because he was just about to go and they do this thing in December, like a tour called Shed Sember. They do it every year. And he was... Oh, it was not last year because of COVID, but the year before, like, yeah, it was literally like a couple of days before they were leaving for the tour. And he said, oh, mate, 
I know I said I'd do it, but I'm kind of rammed. Can we do it on the phone? And I was like, yeah, yeah, man. Because I was just excited to do it. Yeah. Um, but he said after, like, at the end, he was like, mate, when you want me to come back on, I'll do one of your other shows or whatever. Just give me a ring, like. And I was like, yeah, cool. And I got off the phone. I was like, yeah, I got, I'm just going to give Rick Witter a ring. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a bit, of, to me, like, bit of a better. buzz, like, if you were in your teens listening yeah. to him. And that, and well, then the thing then is, right, you're him. Yeah, it's mad, mate, because the thing is, like, I texted him, like, a few times just, you know, hours ago and whatever, and we kept in touch. He's, like, a proper sound guy, like, one of the nicest people I've come across. And then I messaged him then a couple of months back, and I said, oh, I'm doing this series, my story, just, like, you know, just telling people's life story, like, talk about their career, their upbringing, all that sort of stuff as they share stories. And I'm trying to get, like, a different range of people, like, I've had a rapper on and footballers and fighters and just I want to get as many different people from different backgrounds as I can. I said, I really think, like, you'd be good for it. Like, and he was like, oh, yeah, wicked, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) um, Yeah, it is mad sometimes, like, because like I just I grew up listening to you know him and Oasis and stuff, and then you're like oh, yeah I'll just send him a text now and see how he's doing. It's a bit uh, it's a bit weird, but like I say, my proper nice guy. Like class when you hear stories, are like people meeting their idols or people have looked up to, and they're the not sound. dicks. Yeah, because you you know I've heard a few. Like, uh... Saying about that isn't there? Never meet your idol. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But I've heard a few where people have met. You know, certain people, and they've like been proper gutted that they're just assholes, or like being rude to them, or told them no for a photo and that. And I know it's obviously <laughs> the yeah. bigger you get, the harder it is to say yeah to everything. But yeah, I well, think you're referencing them. Um, talking about not being able to take photos when we were like just starting out as a band, we um we might somehow managed to get a support slot with um. Kele Okareke, who mm. is the lead singer from the Block Party. Yeah. And um, we were like, oh my God, this is massive because we uh, we knew how big Block Party were and we were so excited. Uh, oh my God, this is going to be such a good gig. Firstly, we sold more t- we, we sold more tickets than Kele Okareke did because it was a, it was, it was a solo, t- solo tour. It wasn't for Block Party. Yeah. And then after the gig had happened, People were coming up to him, you know. There was only, there must have only been like 30, 40 people there. Uh, people. And, um, you know, people were coming up to him going, There was one woman, I, I'll always remember this. And um, she came up to him and said, Me and my husband met at one of your block, block party gigs at Glastonbury. Yeah. yeah and um, didn't he propose at a block party gig as well? Oh, he said they met, he met at Glastonbury 2007. Oh, there was a time block party had around that year. And was it when Oasis didn't play? It might have been. And apparently they met on that day. We're sitting in the dressing room and he's like across from us. Mm. And these fans come in and they pop a pod that I thought saying me and my husband have been together for the last you know 15 years because we met at your gig. Um can can we have something signed? And he went, Oh yeah, sure. And then like the girl went to walk with this pen and paper, and his manager went, Oh no, I'll give it to him. And like he stayed sitting down, didn't you? You get off your seat and go like, "Oh, nice to meet you." Yeah, I'll sign it. He stayed sitting down. His manager took the pen and the paper to him. He signed uh-huh. it and then took it back to the woman. 
and she just saw she was gutted. She just like mm. proper walked away, and I thought, oh. And the place we were playing at as well, it wasn't a massive gig. It was a place called Studio Two in Liverpool, quite a, quite a renowned venue. Um, but you know, I think it's hundred. No, it's, it was hundred and fifty cap, and um, there's only one tiny dressing room. And normally, you just put all your stuff in there and you sit there before you go on stage. Kelly Okereke was like, no, this is my dressing room. No one else is allowed in it. And it was just like... Well, you put a big curtain up. Yeah, and like split it in two and left yeah. like the tiniest bit in the world for for all the other support bands to put all of their cases and all their gear yeah. in before they went on and to go in there before they went on. And it was like, you can, you can tell what kind of... what yeah, sounds like done to you. Dick, to be fair. I think I've re- I've heard a couple of things after we played with him that he isn't the nicest person. Well, do you know what? Um, like one of the one of like my one of my my two musical like idols who are still alive would be like Liam Gallagher and Ian Brown, and like I um I met Ian Brown in passing once in Cardiff, like literally for like five seconds, and I was in awe because he's just a cool fuck like. And then yeah. <laughs> my sister got a compliment off Ian Brown once, and um. She went to see them in Blackpool and they, her and her boyfriend at the time were staying at a hotel and they they thought that Ian Brown would be staying at that same hotel, which is why they booked that one. Yeah. Um, they went to the gig, they came back and they were waiting just to see if Ian Brown turned up and they were just about to turn in for the night and um, like four Mercedes vans come down and Ian Brown gets out and um, she said he says to me, sister, she was wearing like this brown Adidas leather jacket, and she, um, Ian Brown went to me, sister, that's a really cool jacket. And like, still to the, Ian Brown is like her absolute idol, and still yeah. to this day, she has that jacket hanging up on in her cloakroom, and she's like, she like never touches it or anything. Um, I just thought I'd say that if you were yeah, talking about Ian Brown. yeah, no, Ian Brown, is, I um, but then I've been watching him on social media the last probably six months or so, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> woof. I'm not sure. Oh, he's on the fucking band, isn't he? He's gone a bit loopy, mate. He's a fucking I think the loop. lock has finished him off or something. Because, but I, was, I said the other day to my mate, I was like, you know, like if someone had said to me before, like, yeah, get Ian Brown on your podcast, I'd have been like, oh, that will be like the dream. And yeah. like now I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I want <laughs> like to meet the, my idol. Like, people who like, I think Van Morrison released songs, proper like protest songs against like. Yeah. J.K. Rowling's also gone round the bend as well about transphobic. Um, yeah, about she's been a lunatic um, the last couple of years, she, haven't she? Yeah, but especially Ian Brown, he was like going on about lockdowns and then some of his tweets about vaccines and saying yeah. that like he wouldn't. And I was just like, one, you have no understanding of epidemiology or fucking healthcare or medicine, so just shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have no grip of it at all. Um. And yeah, you know, you can have your opinion on politics and that, but when it comes to like science, yeah, where like if you don't know what you're talking about, you're gonna look like a fool, man. And yeah, he was just blabbing on, but yeah, I'm with you, lads. I remember reading his tweets over the last few months, just thinking, like, what the fuck? I think lockdown must have gotten to him, but yeah, (laughs) like hours just watching conspiracy theory documentaries on YouTube, and he's just uh, gone a bit thing. But no, I, I, I did lie then, by the way. 
like if someone said you want Ian Brown on your podcast, I'd say yeah straight away. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be in- it'll be interesting yeah. to see where all of his points of view is coming from, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, how far he could back up his sources and well, things. I'd definitely ask him about it. I'd say, yeah, I'd say, you yeah, know, yeah. What? Why have you gone fucking lunatic on, uh, <laughs> yeah. on Twitter for the last six months? Uh, definitely because it'll be some uh, some good publicity as well if you could get him to kick off on your podcast or something. Yeah, <laughs> give him a little nudge like you met any other famous got any more stories about like meeting famous people whether football or music whatever like anyone any any good stories I'm trying to think um I met john barnes once i met john barnes in a park as well because he lives in herzl he is a sound person yeah, yeah. uh I, I i was at the lowry hotel once yeah, um, that's where United team stay, you know? That is what, yeah, and they were playing Chelsea, and um, I went up, and then we suddenly, all the players came out to go to the team bus, and uh, I went up to the reception desk to ask for a pen and paper to get a signature, and the woman was like, is it for a signature? I'm like, nine years old, wanting to get a signature off me, heroes. And uh, I went, yeah. And she went, oh, I can't give you a pen and paper. Then I was like, I, looking back at it now, I don't think I'd have the heart to tell a nine-year-old kid that yeah. you can't have a pen and paper for a signature off your heroes. Jesus uh, Christ, that's brutal. That's brutal, that is. I know, yeah. Have you got any stories? Um, I met John Barnes and he was really nice. It was on the first day of uni and we were walking through town, me and my mate, and my mate's just like dead cheeky. And just goes <laughs> like, hey, John Barnes, and starts going, Barnesy, Barnesy. And he went, oh, he's all right, lads. And he went, oh, I'm in a rush. I've got to get to Radio City. He must have been on in that, that morning. Mm-hmm. And my mate Bram went, um, we're starting uni today. And he went, oh, hi, he turned around and went, good luck, shook our hands and got a photo with us. Yeah, so he was, he was, he, you know what I mean? And he was in a rush, he was like walking quickly with the city centre, he yeah. must have been late for his show. Um, I'm trying to think of else. When I, um, when I was about 13 or 14, I was on football tour and we was like, we were playing a game or whatever and the game, and then we were watching a Premier League game on a Saturday and um, Liverpool were playing Crystal Palace and uh, I was a mouthy teenager and I nearly, I nearly had a fight with Michael Owen. Because uh, I chased him up the corridor and was just calling him a cunt and stuff, and like bumped into him, surely like but as he walked past me and stuff, and I don't know, I was, I was idiot kid like, but he was only probably like seventeen, eighteen himself, because he had just broken into like the Liverpool first team or whatever. And I look back at that and I think, fuck, you know, that could have gone bad. It's what I like certain people. We'll get a photo with anyone. And like I'm I don't know if it's just because I'm a bit shy, but like I don't think there's many people who had even if like I really liked them, who I go up and bother. Like we yeah, I only bothered John Barnes because my mate my mate was with me and he's cheeky and he just shouted them over. So I was with him and was like, uh, you know, like Barnesy and then but like I don't know if if there's anyone. And it's not because I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm too good to say I swear. It's just I'm a bit of a shy character. I don't think I'd have the, you know, the guts to go up to someone and go, can I have a photo? The thing is, though, if you don't go up and speak to them or ask for a photo or something, you end up kind of just looking at them. Because <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just sort of sat there across the pub or something. That's, that's what his name is. There was there was one time um there's a big band in Liverpool called the Night Cafe. Mm. And um all of us listened to this band, the Night Cafe. They're a sign band, they're really good, really atmospheric, cool music. And um mm-hmm. we just played a gig and we'd gone to like a little bar, not a little bar, it's quite a big bar, it's called the Baltic Market. And me, Paul and Jack 
had left by by the time and Sam and his girlfriend were still at the Baltic Market having a drink. Now I'm in bed. This is like half past 11. So we've done the gig. We've had a couple of drinks. We've got home. And all of a sudden, half 11, I like 12 o'clock, I get a call off Sam. And he's going, lad, the drummer from the night cafe is here. And I was like, well, go and speak to him then. And he was like, nah, I'm not going to speak to him. And he, and he came, he got in his car, came and picked me up, brought me back to the Baltic market just for me to get over and speak to him. Instead of him just going over and speak to him. <laughs> yeah, literally, because especially when you first start, we just started. Everything seems like the most serious thing in the world. Yeah. Like if you don't turn up to a gig or like if you meet someone and don't, you know, make yourself known to them. Really, you know, nothing come of it. But I was going to him, you know, we could ask for a support slot. Going to... <laughs> and he was going, we'll go and speak to him then. But I was just like, nope, I'm not going over <laughs> me, lads. Just not in. Don't, just don't think it's in Scousers to be that like. Yeah. Well, you get him. Um, like, have you had people anywhere and ask you for photos and stuff for gigs and that afterwards? Have yeah. You refused to give someone a photo? No, lads, we're not big enough. Couldn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, that started happening just before lockdown. It was a bit of a nice shock to us. Yeah. We started yeah, getting... It's weird. I am... Um, so, like, a large portion of our live viewers, they're all, like, from either Cardiff, where I'm based, or where Andy's based in, like, Borough, and sort of up that way. And when we done, we'd only done like a couple of live shows. So it was only just starting to sort of do all right. And I was stood in Subway, um, pre-lockdown, like, and I was in the queue and someone tapped me on the shoulder and I was like a bit defensive. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if they were gonna have a call at me for something or whatever. I sort of turned around and went, right. And he went, oh yeah, you do um, Andy Campbell football show, didn't you, on Ace Podcast Nation? I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh. <laughs> Nice one, mate. He shook my hand and then walked off. I was like, all right, great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't quite know what to make of it. Like, yeah, and yeah, I, I've spoken to him since because I felt like I felt like afterwards whether I thought he thought I might have been being a dick, like, but I wasn't. Mm. I was just a bit taken aback by it because I was, yeah. it's not something which I expect. Uh, I remember the first time it happened to us as well. We were first time it happened to me. Somebody had ever asked for a picture with me, it absolutely blew my feed off. Um, we were supporting a band called Spin, and um, me and Jack were just outside, and a girl came over to me and went, um, can I have a picture with you? And I was just, like, absolutely blown away. And um, But then, it's been like that. But then, you know, I was like, you know, we've just been playing to, like, seven, 800 people. But then there was a couple of months later, I was just walking down Bold Street in Liverpool and just some and another girl just came up to me and went, aren't you the... F-? We were still in our old band then called Lola. And she just came up to me and said, um, aren't you in that band, Lola? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, can I get a picture with you? And like, just because it was like completely out of context. And yeah. well, I've Just one more on that. Our drummer, who's like... Like professional you know what i mean like he's like mm. takes everything quite like serious if we're working with like a videographer and he's messaging them the day before going like oh what what you know what spec of camera have you got you know just like a tech nerd which is fine but we and um, we were doing this live um lounge thing about a year ago just before lockdown coming and we couldn't find the venue where it was it was like a hidden little door so we're on the street walking just in liverpool and um, this young girl and lad 
must have been 14 or 15, come up to him and went like, um, are you in, you know, so-and-so? And he just looked at them and went, uh, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with you. Because he thought they were the, the, the cameramen and that in this thing. They're only kids. He went, where, where do we get in? And he went, oh, no, we, what? And they just went, uh, aren't you the drummer in only Town? And he was like, uh, yeah. He went, all right, no, we just, yeah. And it was the most awkward thing. <laughs> and he came up to us going, I just thought two kids were fucking cameramen. I went, what, two 15-year-olds are working for some company filming? That's and he just starts a laugh, and he was just... that's a that's a story which you can tell for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, I like that one. Um, all right, to finish us off, then, I uh, what about um, what have you got coming up? Shall I say, in terms of uh, gigs and stuff like that? So in we've those... we've got um, we're playing a festival in Liverpool on uh, the seventh of August. It's called Fest Evol, um, with a smashing promotion company called evil um it's in liverpool it's in the in the center of town and it's it should be a really i think it I really think it is going to sell out because there's some big names on that bill um and that's a 1200 cap venue um so that's going to be a boss day and then so that's on the 7th of august and then probably won't play anything again up until our headline which is the 22nd of october uh and that's already sold really well i'm not i'm not sure how many tickets we've got near it but it's nearly sold out and that's 250 cap venue so um we're really i think we're really excited just just to get back out playing yeah new music coming out yeah i'm not obviously not gonna say anything more because i'll probably get shouted that um but yeah just we've just got bags upon bags upon content that we're just really yeah surprises coming new content coming Big yeah <laughs> um so yeah we're just i think for me personally i'm just really excited just to get back playing because that's the whole reason why i started uh the band yeah. sam started it for the creative side like writing the songs i think yeah, and then playing. sam doesn't like playing live but yeah i joined the band because i wanted to play live um Did you get so nervous not... before live performance well we were talking about this uh last night at practice weren't we because we were talking about that festival we were playing and we were saying we think it's more nerve-wracking to play to less people than it is to play to more people because if you i was always taught because i did drama as a degree i was always taught for you know certain things look the audience in the eye you know try and create a personal connection between you and the audience Mm. and if you if you're playing to 15 20 people and you just keep looking at the same people over and over again. You kind of go like, oh, who am I meant to look at here now? Uh, but then if you're playing to loads of people and it's just like a sea of heads, then I think personally for me, that's less nerve-wracking. I think it's more, more nerve-wracking. It's not that it's nerve-wracking for Walker. He deals with it quite well, but I think it's more riding on him live anyway because I think if I make a mistake or Paul does or Jack does, we can. no one's really looking at us. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because we're just, yeah, we're just, uh, we're just, you know, the guitarist, the bassist, and the drummer. Everyone's looking at the front man. So if he falls over or <laughs> sings a line out of tune that was obvious or says the wrong words, that's a song people know. Obviously, like everyone just is locked onto him. Then and then, obviously, that cripples you. Then you're like, you know, people are looking at you. So it's it's either break through it and get back where you were, or just completely crumble. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, pressure. Yeah, but yeah, I don't. I don't like playing live. Still, <laughs> I don't, why, why I don't, is that, then? 
I don't, I don't mind it. Like it's not that. No, actually, that's the wrong way of saying it. I don't, I don't. Not that like I think. Oh, I can't, can't be asked going to that gig tomorrow. I like, like I've had gigs where we've had big crowds watching. Those people have been singing, and it does make me happy. You know that that gives me a bit of a buzz. But yeah, I just like writing songs and being in the studio and being in the rehearsal room. Like the live for me is something that I've got to do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just like I like the creative side. I'm a bit of a shy character, so especially in person. So it's not really my thing. Like, you know, after the first gig we ever played, um, you were just like, "Nope, that's not for me." Yeah, our first gig it was only in a little venue. All my mates coming that shout out to them, <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember just being on stage and shivering and thinking, "I won't be doing this again." Jesus, that's like this, this is the last time. I remember thinking, like in the back of my head, as soon as this six songs done. I'm just gonna have to tell these tomorrow. Like, listen, <laughs> I'm I'm out of here. I that crippled me, but yeah, as time went on, it was all right. Yeah, you, you kind of get used to it, I suppose, as well, don't you? Like, it's part and parcel of doing it. And once you've done it a certain amount of times, it becomes second nature. Yeah, I think the first the first gig back for me personally is going to be nerve wracking, just because yeah. um, our kind of live rig is very complicated and we got into the groove of using we just started using this um special live thing mm. and we got used to using it and you know we were playing a gig every other like three weeks and you know we were dead comfortable with it and now that we've got a gig coming around we tried well our drummer tried setting all this live thing up again and um just forgotten how to do it and i think the same <laughs> is going to happen to me i'm going to be like what you know what plugs into where i've forgotten it, all of this stuff yeah it's um, been um it's been quite a long time though haven't it without yeah. doing it and i'm sure once you kind of get out there in front of the fans yeah. and and people and stuff it's you know it'll be all right then won't it but yeah, like, last time we played was december of 2019 that's a so long time in it years since just over a year and a half since we last played that's mad isn't it oh. it's been a strange time like what's it been like in covid times like as a band obviously you haven't been able to play gigs how have you kept yourself going and busy i think for us covid hasn't i think for a lot of bands covid has affected them badly not just bands it's obviously affected the whole world really badly but for us we took covid as the time to change from our old band to our new band yeah so before lockdown we were still lower and then as soon as lockdown hit we started the whole process of changing the band. So, um, you know, we were able to demo more songs. We were able to write more songs. We were able to plan out every single thing that we were going to do with this band change. Um, I think if COVID never never hit, we might not be um, under foundry now or, you know, that might have fell into place because we literally, we had plans to play festivals and that in 2020. Um, and then the plan was towards the end of 2020, dump the band and take it serious and go forward with a new name and you know leg the mm. you know the the casual nature of it and make it a proper you know thing online online presence and all that. So I think COVID gave us a lot of time to plan it, and we changed. And then literally a few months later, Ben got involved and found it. And they wanted to get us on their management. So I think maybe if we didn't do it when we did it. Which was only possible because of COVID. We might not have found management, and 
chucked an extra, maybe we would have still been stuck. Obviously, I wish it, it didn't happen because of the yeah. effect it's had on people's livelihoods and mental health and people dying genuinely. So, obviously, I wish it never happened, but, but a slight selfish part of me is a little bit, you know, well, pulling, pulling good from the negative, you could say. Yeah, I, I mean, i got to be honest, it's the same for me um, and, like, the guys I do shows with. Like, what we like what I found particularly is because there's been a lockdown and because people were at home, I was able to get a lot of people on. Yeah. Previous, previously, it had been logistically quite difficult to pin down because they would be either travelling or working on TV or stuff like that, which yeah. means that it's... You know, it's difficult, isn't it, then to tie them down to sit down for an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah, I think now that everybody's also got used to Zoom and Microsoft Teams yes. and Discord and everything, it's definitely... I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that is going to be a lot more... I think what COVID has proven is that you don't need to go into an office to do a job. Like, my dad, you know, albeit it's horrible sitting in the same chair in the same office every day and seeing the same people walk past your window, but you know, from a health standpoint, you can, and from a business standpoint, you can see that you don't need to go into an office to do work. Um, so I think, I think COVID have changed the the course of the way a lot of people work for, yeah, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think was, I think it's one of them. It's what people want in it, but I can see how it's worked, boss, for you because. I think a lot of people, especially like older artists and footballers, wouldn't even know how to use a computer. Yeah, oh well, yeah, they've just been like, "Oh, I'm not getting on a webcam to someone. I'll go to the, I'll go to a radio station, or I'll turn yeah, up to yeah, someone's yeah. podcast studio." But I'm not going online, you know. Screw that. Yeah. But they've had to to stay. Maybe they just wanted to not be bored and thought, "I do want to do something." Yeah. And you've offered that podcast, and like, yeah, that's something for me to look forward to or think about for the next week until it comes. So. And definitely see how it's work for you, but I co- I coached a few uh, a couple of sixty five year old ex footballers through using technology, which was that was fun. But like they, you know, they were they were eager to do it. They just did not did not Good have no. a clue how to do it. They like literally, um, he won't mind me saying, uh, David Giles, who used to play for Wales and Cardiff yeah. and Swansea and Palace, he um, he just didn't have a clue. Like in the end, we had to get his son. To drive over from his house oh, to man. kind of come and show him and that, but he's such a sound guy, like. But he just he just didn't know how to do it because he'd never had to. And yeah, but uh, yeah, it was cool though. Um, right, I've taken up much more of your time than I said I was going to. I appreciate that, lads. Um, I'll put links to everything which you've got, uh, social media, Spotify. I'll, I'll put links to all of that in the description. Thank and, you very much. Um, also, if you send me like link for the festival you're doing and stuff like that, I'll chuck that in the description as well, Thank so people can uh, be one click away. Thank but, you very um, much for that. Appreciate your time, lads. Thank you very no much. Worries. Thank you very much for having us as well. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, it's been yeah. really fun. Appreciate good, it. Good crack, mate. You both there. Uh, you're all welcome back at any time, mate. And um, I'm hoping by the end of this year, I should have a a nice little studio sorted as well. So, oh, smashing. Uh, we'll get you all down. Gonna, um, good. I'm gonna be doing a road trip at some point. Um, my plan. I'm gonna be going up to uh, Chesterfield, Middlesbrough, Scotland. So maybe I'll take a detour, detour up your way and see you later yeah. as well. Smashing yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Excited. But uh, yeah, keep in touch. Smashing. Speak to you soon, mate. Yeah, take it easy.
it's not right for you to go on like you do. You talk a bit too much, and talking's not enough. It's not right for me to satisfy your needs. Sports Social Podcast Network.